0: Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. In the beginning, the Lord brought forth living creatures from the earth. As we were saying in Sunday School class, God molded Adam from the earth. And the language says, Adam, earth man, Adamah, out of earth. It's a beautiful poetic picture. So in essence, since we all come from Adam, we are all earthlings, bound to the earth. Of course, the woman is indirectly from the earth because she came from the pierced side of Adam, from his bone and his flesh. Different substance, same planet. Okay, so aliens are not in existence around here. Without Eve, Adam would be alone in creation, in paradise, and that's not good. An individual by himself is not what God designs. This wondrous creation of male and female united as one is an iconic reality that points to Christ and his bride. That's the higher understanding of what it means to be married in Christ. So we were created to dwell unashamed in God's presence, and that is paradise. The delightful garden was just a added benefit, if you will. So since Adam had firstborn status over all creation, when Adam sinned, all creation came under a curse. And that's why when he sinned, everything was cursed. And as a result of that curse, we have death, earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, tsunamis, mudslides, droughts, famine, plagues, pestilence, pandemics, and disease. On and on it goes. Plus, on top of that, the whole host of human disasters and human problems because of Adam. All of these events are there to remind us that this planet is temporary and the storms of life do not discriminate. Jesus said he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Now sometimes as we heard today in our readings God will use creation to teach us a lesson. That's not the normal case, but today we have it. Jonah had an interesting encounter with God's creation in our story. He was called by God to proclaim a message to those nasty Gentiles in Nineveh. And it seems like when you read the story, Jonah would rather die than do God's will. He paid very good money, I'm sure, to get on that ship and ignore God's word to travel in the opposite direction, away from the presence of God. That's crazy. you know that's foolish, isn't it? How can you escape the presence of God? It is futile to run from God's will. Sometimes when you fall off the path of righteousness, other people get dragged with you. And that's the problem today. The Lord uses his fallen creation to teach Jonah and those pagan sailors a lesson. So the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. And the sailors became afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and they threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. All the false gods could not control the weather. All their human efforts could not save them. And everyone is in great fear, except Jonah. (laughs) He's deeply asleep in the belly of the ship. You can't get any deeper than that on your voyage, hiding from God. And he doesn't seem to care about all the needs, the damage, and the loss of the ship and the cargo and the people because of his rebellion. This guy's really selfish, individualistic, I might say. He knows God sent that storm, and he knows God controls the storm. He should have repented, prayed, and interceded for those poor sailors. And instead, he goes as far as possible from his problem into the belly of the ship. Jonah is the anti-type of Jesus but he is a type of us. Now we may not, not get drastic as Jonah and take a ship to try and get away from God, but we still tend to hide from God's will or avoid his plan in our daily lives. Jonah would rather drown than face his sin. At least he had a decent confession. I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me." Ironically, when you look at the story, these compassionate sailors continue to try and save themselves and Jonah. They even turn to Yahweh himself and ask for a divine intervention from this God. And finally they surrender to the will of God and they throw Jonah overboard. The sea becomes calm as proof that Yahweh has control over all creation. And the pagan sailors go from sheer terror to awe to trust, belief and worship because of this weak testimony of this rebellious Jewish man. So the storm is used by the Lord to save the Gentiles, if you will. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. And God uses the storm and a great sea creature to save Jonah, despite his attitude. See, Jonah is vomited out for the salvation of pagan Nineveh. Jonah was rebellious and headed in the wrong direction, and God stopped him and saved him from making a terrible mistake. The Lord used a dangerous event to bring about his will. Sometimes that's what we need in our lives to come about to the Lord's will. Hopefully not. But God will use extreme circumstances if needed. And I've seen it happen in people's lives, and it gets pretty scary. Our Gospel reading in Matthew today is also about a boat caught in a great tempest on the sea. But instead of hiding in the boat, Jesus led his disciples into the boat knowing that the storm was going to come. (laughs) It's time for another stormy God lesson, I think. You can see it coming, the suspense. The storm arose, the disciples are fearful, and like Jonah, Jesus is sleeping in the boat. And I wonder, at that moment, if they thought about Jonah and the waves and the tempest and think, do we have to throw Jesus overboard to get saved? You know, I mean, you don't know. They didn't know who it was. The great creature that will swallow Jesus is the grave, not a great fish. And the grave will vomit him out for the salvation of the world. Like Matthew 12 says, then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered saying, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. Jesus, the Word in flesh, God incarnate. He's the one who brought life and light into creation. Paul says that in the book of Colossians. Listen to this. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones of dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth, things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. <laughs> you can't get more extensive control than that. This is our God, this is our Savior, Jesus Christ. When God the Son, the eternal word, speaks, you see it in the Gospels. The atoms, the protons, the neutrons, the electrons, the blood vessels, the bones, the skin, all matter of substance in creation responds to the word of Jesus Christ. And things happen. Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. There was a great calm, so men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? See, that's the problem. Who can this be? The disciples had faith. Like Pastor said last week, you only need a little faith. They had a little faith, but they didn't realize who Jesus was. He is God. Don't you see this? Haven't you been listening? Don't you understand? Why do you doubt? Why do you suffer anxiety? Why are you living in fear? Don't you trust his promises? Oh, you of little faith. Like Pastor preached last week, if you had a little faith, you could move mountains. But see, you have to realize who the mountain mover is. It's not you. And then we beat ourselves up because we don't have enough faith. It's him. Like the man said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and I will be healed. And that's who we are in Christ. St. Paul writes in Ephesians that we are redeemed by His blood and the riches of His grace. He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on earth, in Him. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. This revelation of your salvation comes at your baptism like we talked about today in the message. The name of the Trinitarian God is invoked The Father creator is the source. The Holy Spirit proceeds and broods over those waters and the word pierces the darkness of your soul and you drown in the sea of the font and you rise up as a new creation in Christ. From the beginning it was so and God continues to use that to show his glory and his majesty. All creation is eagerly waiting for the fullness of the revelation of who you are in Christ. St. Paul got it. He teaches that in Romans. And it's so crucial for your spiritual being and understanding to see this in light of what it really is. Listen to the word of God. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope because the creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs until now. And not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Creation is waiting for you to be revealed for who you really are in Christ. Because you are intimately connected with the salvation of Jesus Christ that's gonna renew the entire creation when you are renewed, totally. That's awesome. This is amazing. We are part of this plan for God. All that Christ inherits is yours. The power of forgiveness bestowed. The dominion of sin removed. The stranglehold of death conquered. The might of the resurrection applied. (laughs) The authority of evil forces granted to you. All the glory is shared. The kingdom is revealed. The promise of a new creation, a new earth, eternal restoration, healing, inexpressible joy and peace. It's all yours now and will be in the future. All it takes is a little faith, that's all, and the right understanding of who Jesus is and the realization that the entire creation is eagerly waiting to see what you will become as the bride of Christ. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work at us, in us, to him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.